So we're continuing this series as we're studying through the book of Colossians. And we started this a couple weeks ago as Jason opened it up for us, an intro into the letter. And, and this is a letter of Paul. He's written to, just like most of his letters are written to a specific church and a group of people. The kind of unique thing about Colossians is that he did not start this church and he didn't really know a lot of people in this church, um, but he had heard of them. Right? And one of the things we see um, in this letter, as we saw from, from the first couple chapters, is that he starts out with just the foundation of our faith, of, of this, this incredible word picture of Christ, right? And, and the, the firm foundation that we can build our lives and our faith on. But the majority of this letter is not evangelistic. The majority of this letter is actually about um, how we live out our faith every day from that moment of conversion, you know, moving on, and, and what our lives will look like as committed followers of Jesus, when our hearts are surrendered to him. And, and as we see that at the beginning of the, of the, the letter in Colossians chapter 1.10, which I believe is, again, the thesis statement, right, of, of, this, of the letter and kind of, of his real purpose for it, uh, where he says, then, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Again, as we see this, right, the premise of this thesis statement is that you have accepted Christ as your Savior, right, that, that you believe in Christ, right, that he lived, that he died, and he rose again on the third day, he conquered death, right, and sin, and he's forgiven us, right, and we've accepted that grace and mercy into our life, and that we are now walking with Jesus, right, and if we are walking with Jesus, then, then this is what the journey will produce in our lives, right? As we've joined the journey of faith, we're walking with God, and, and then we see, again, as he continues to transform and mold our hearts and our minds to be more like him every day, right? to know God better and better. We'll see this, this fruit come out of our lives. And, and as, we, as we've seen through, again, as we studied chapter 2 last week, as we're going to dive into Colossians chapter 3, this week we see that this is still the premise, right, of of these things that are given. And as we step into the text today, and, and as we, we read it, again, move into this next section of the letter, uh, just, again, just want to be, know and, and be clear, right, that, again, the premise, the assumption is that you are walking with Jesus, right, that you know him. And, and if we try to do these things without knowing Jesus, without receiving him as our Savior, right, then we're trying to do it on our own power, and that is going to be frustrating, right? And that is going to be hard, again, to do. And we, uh, again, we cannot do it ourselves. I mean, that's the core of the gospel, right, is that we need a Savior, and we need God's Spirit living in us to do life a different way. And so today we are going to um, look at uh, Colossians chapter 3, and so if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, if you're with us in person and you don't have your own Bible, your Bible's provided for you in the seat you're welcome to use, and you'll notice the page numbers included on where you can find it in those, those Bibles. So we're going to start off with just the first four verses of Colossians chapter 3. And again, this is him moving into kind of a new section okay, of, of from what we covered last week. And then uh, here he, he, he dives in here with these intro verses here, Colossians 3, starting at verse 1, where he says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. 
Now, I, I want to pause there after these first uh, four verses because, like I said, this is the intro to this whole next section of the letter. And, and, and he's, he starts again with this, this premise, right, this foundation of everything he's about to teach us, right, in the following verses. And, and the, the overarching kind of point, right, of these, these four verses, this, this start into chapter three, is the fact that this, this world is not our home. And as we see, this is, this is a perspective change, right? This is when you, once you follow Christ and receive him in your life and start to, you know, journey forward in your faith, you start to realize that the things of this world, like, look different than they used to, right? And we realize that the, the, the culture of this world, the, the, the ways people make decisions, the, the, the viewpoints that they have, all these things seem, seem foreign, and, and the reason for that is exactly what he tells us in these verses. That he says over and over again, right? In lots of different ways, lots of different phrases. In verse 1, he says to set your sights on the realities of heaven. Right? Again, set your sights on that, right? Like, you, again, where your eyes go is where your life goes, right? I mean, that, that's true in sports, right? Or anything, anything active, right? It's just your eyes go first, right? And, and your body follows, Right? And again, set your sights on the realities of heaven. In verse 2, he says to think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Again, focus your thoughts right, on, on your real home of heaven, right, not on earth. In verse 3, he, say, he tells us that we've died to this, to, to this life on earth because our real life is now with Christ in heaven. Right, that's our real life. And, and, and then in verse 4, right, they encourage me of knowing that, hey, all the glory that God get, you share in that because you are his child. Right? You are his heir. You, your identity has been shifted right, from being God's creation, right, where earth is our home in creation, to God's child. And the earth is not our home anymore. Right? It's, our home is heaven. Right, that's our eternity. I mean, our eternity is sealed. And so as we see that, right, we, this is a mental shift. This is a, a heart shift. This is even a life shift, right, of the fact that I am now a foreigner in my, in my own surroundings. Right, because this world is not my home anymore. Right, and, and by, as a follower of Jesus, right, I, I, my identity is different and my home, you know, is different. And the reality is that the, the, our world continues to get crazier. Right? And, and I know, is that a shock to anybody? This world continues to get crazier. And the crazier this world gets, the more this fact should bring you hope. Right? The crazier this world gets, the more that this idea should bring you hope because this world's not our home. Right? And this, this is not the end. Right? We have something different to look forward to. We have somewhere else to belong. Right? Somewhere where we, we know what's true. Right? Where we can trust those around us. Right? Where, where God's presence is unhindered. This world is not our home. And the crazier this world gets, the more this idea, this concept should bring hope. And the more that it does, it brings hope because we start to see the world from God's perspective. And yet when God looks at the world, he looks at our world and God knows that it's broken. God looks at our world and he knows that it's fallen and sinful. 
God looks at this world and knows that it just doesn't make sense. God knows the pain that we experience in this world. God knows the evil that runs rampant and how it always seems to win. Right? God sees all of this. And because God sees it is exactly why he sent Jesus. Right? Because this is not news to God, right? It's not, he's not ignoring it. In fact, he, he sees the state of our world and the crazier and crazier it gets, is, is, which is exactly why he sent Jesus. Right? Because he, was, he had a plan, right? To, to, to set it all right. In fact, we, we see this, this concept in, talked about in, Ma- in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Right, where he says, the high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And as we look at this, right, we know, again, God looks at the world and he sees how crazy it is, and yet that's exactly why he sent Jesus. And also, that's exactly why one of the reasons he's worthy of our worship is because we serve a God who understands what we face. Right? And just as the scripture says, right, that Jesus put on flesh, right, a human flesh, and he experienced everything that we experience. Right? There's nothing you will experience, there's nothing that you will see or interact with or pain you will feel or temptation in front of you that Jesus didn't experience as a human. He's a God that understands. And yet, it says he did not sin, right? And so because of that, we can boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. And, And we can receive his mercy, find his grace, find that restoring of life, right? Then when the world just drains it out, we can be replenished with God's spirit. And we can feel his arms of comfort and love. And as he said, and he kind of, you know, we've all been in that moment, right, when our parents kind of embrace you and be like, I know it stinks, but we can get through this. Right? And that's exactly what God does for us. Like, the crazier this world gets, the more hope that we get from God. Because we are citizens of heaven, right, which means we are foreigners in this world. And the crazier the world gets, right, the, the more it becomes apparent, right, of how much we long for our home. All right, but as we think about that, right, it, it, it means that our daily experience is, is we are living as foreigners. Right, if this world's not our home, and then heaven is, and, and, and which means we are living in, in a foreign culture. Right, and if, if you've ever traveled outside of the U.S., right, traveled, um, you know, around the world, right, gone into different cultures. You, you've experienced that, right, of where some things are familiar, but, but it's, it's different. In fact, this is one of the reasons why we are doing, you know, why we do short-term mission trips is for us to be able to go into a different culture and to see God work outside of our regular comfort zone. Right? And, and see how God works through a language barrier. See how God works you know, through different economic circumstances. See how God you know, is, is still present even though everything else feels 
foreign. And, and this is why that's the familiarity, right? It's because the same God is in these other cultures, right, that is in ours. And, and yet when we experience these different cultures, we start to see the, the, the power of God, right, and, and experience it in a different way. And the reality is the more that you grow in your faith, the more that you move forward in your journey, the more that you become like Christ, right, the more foreign this world will feel. The more you grow in your faith, the more foreign this world will feel. And so as we look at this idea, this concept, right, that he presents us, then he goes into kind of, kind of the meat of how we live out this identity. As we move into the rest of the chapter, this next section, Colossians 3, 5 through 15. And again, we're not going to read the entire text. We're going to go back to it a couple different times, so you have to keep your Bible open. We'll look at that. But I want to start with just the, the, the first verse, right, the first part of Verse 5, okay, where we are given this, this commandment. He says, to put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Okay, and this is, again, the overall concept. This is our, our goal as a Christ follower, right? To be more like Christ. And, and as we just read in Hebrews, that Christ did not sin. So the, the more sin in our life, the less like Christ we are, right? And that's a part of, of the process of, of growing in our faith and being transformed by God's Spirit. To put to death the sinful earthly things that lurk within you. Again, this is a, a simple statement, but it is also extremely complicated. Right? Just put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Okay, great, got it. How on earth did I do that? Right? Simple statement, very complex to live out. And so, and yet Paul knows that. In these following verses, he gives us two keys on how we actually do this. And, and he, he gives us these keys in, in these verses, right? And, and then he kind of goes, again, dives deeper in through them right? on, on, on how we live that out. And we start with the first key we see in verses 5 through 11. And, and in, these, in verses 5 through 11, he gives us this description of what the worldly culture looks like, right? So just think about that as we read these verses. Okay, think about, um, again, this, what this earthly culture is. Okay, three, picking up at verse five. So we put to death the sinful earthly things looking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. And as, as we see in this description of, again, of worldly culture, right, of, of the world's way of doing life, there is this hope that's sprinkled in the middle of this description. Again, of this fact that, hey, this is not the way you are as a follower of Jesus. You used to be. Right? This used to be normal for you, but now it's not. 
because you're a follower of Jesus, right? You, you've left this earthly culture behind. Your identity has been changed. And now you need to embrace your new way of life as a follower of Jesus. Right? And that is the key, again, that he gives us here. The key is to put the past behind you and embrace a new future. Put the past behind you and embrace a new future. Now, again, putting the past behind you is a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Right, and this is, a, I mean, a, one of the hardest things, right, about receiving grace and mercy from God is, for, is, is not the forgiveness from God. It's forgiving yourself. Right, and, and, but yet we have to do that in order to put the past behind us. And we have to put the past behind us in order to embrace a new future, right, to go anywhere new. We have to, again, through that confession and repentance, right, of, of receive that grace and mercy from God and forgiveness and and. Again, nail those things to the cross and leave them there. Right? And put the past behind me and embrace a new future to move in a new direction. Now, it's important that we don't forget the lessons of our past. Right? And the, the pain that came from those sinful decisions. Like that we need to learn those lessons, right? Let's not, we can't forget the lessons from our past, but we do need to forget the guilt of our past. We need to remember the lessons from our past, but, but leave the guilt behind. As, as we, we see here in, in this, the middle of this section, right, as he, we read in verses 9 and 10, he says, You have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds, and now put on your new nature, and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Again, strip off that old stuff, Right, and everything that goes with it, and leave it behind. And then be renewed and learn. Now, I, I encourage you to circle those two words. Renewed and learn. And what are we learning? We are learning to know our creator and to be like him. Right, we're learning about who God is and how he made us and how I interact with him. And, and again, that's the relationship, right, of, of our faith with God. Right, is, is I'm learning to know him and to become like him. But, but the important thing, right, to be renewed and to learn, right, is the fact that this takes time. This is a process. Right, this is something that we call a journey. Right, we got to move forward, but yet it's, we don't, expect instant results. Right, sometimes I think that's one of the lies we believe, isn't it? Right? Like, okay, I'll just, I'll just come to church, I'll, I'll pray the prayer, and just everything will be great. Right, now, I mean, that, that's true, right? But th th there's a timeline to that, right? Like we, we assume the timeline is, is instant, and sometimes it is instant, right? I mean, God can do whatever God wants to do. Right? But, but yet, this growing, this changing is a process, right? It, it takes time. And the reality is that your journey is not over until you are face-to-face -face with Jesus. Right? And, and your, your earthly faith journey is, ends then, right? And that's when your heavenly journey begins. But until that moment, you are still growing in your faith. You still have more to do, right? We still have somewhere to go. We have someplace new, and you have more growing to do. We can't expect instant holiness. Right, so don't get discouraged. Right, just take the next step. 
keep moving. Know Christ more tomorrow than you do today. And then he moves on from this earthly culture, and then he gives us this great description of the heavenly culture in verses 12 through 15. So we're going to, let's, again, let's go back to the text and see this next section as he describes the heavenly culture. Picking up at verse 12, he says, Since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. As we see this, this description of, of a heavenly culture, right, he's saying let's, let's live a little bit of heaven on earth, right? As, as you're continuing to do this, live these things out now. And we know we can worship in many different ways other than singing, but, but there's, we need to participate in praise and worship. The, the fourth thing he tells us to do is to re- represent Christ well to others. As, as we think about, again, you, we're a foreigner in this world, right? And, and yet, we, you might be the only Jesus that somebody ever sees. Are you representing him well? Right? In your interaction with, with other people, in, in the way that you, you're doing life every day, right? The way that you're um, living out your faith. Are you representing Christ well to others? Are you being used by God to further his kingdom? And I will tell you is that there is nothing more encouraging than you can ever experience than realizing that God just used you to help somebody else move forward in their faith. There there is nothing more exciting that you'll ever experience. And again, are you representing Christ well to others? And then the last thing that he gives us, and it's just kind of this overarching, you know, theme, right, of, of... these two verses. He mentions it a couple different times, but that, in, but that is to have a demeanor of thankfulness. Like to have a demeanor of thankfulness. Now, when we think about, again, just, it's just about who you are. Are you a thankful person? Are, are you, um, again, is, is your demeanor, right? Are, are you somebody that, that just is appreciative, right? And and again, it manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Like you think about, you know, whether it's respectfulness or, you know, the way you interact with people, all these things. But th- think about the alternative to a demeanor of thankfulness. Right? The alternative of that is, is entitled, ungrateful, selfish, indifferent. Kind of sounds like the world culture, doesn't it? And yet we see if we are citizens of heaven, right, and and we're foreigners in this world, and then, then our demeanor will be different. And he talks about, again, this demeanor of thankfulness. And, and why? What are we thankful for? Well, first and foremost, right, God forgave us. And so I can show love to others. Because I'm deeply loved by God. And I'll tell you, that, that's true whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, right? You are deeply loved by God, regardless of where you're at in your faith journey, or even if you join the journey of faith. But I think as we think about this and, and, and process this concept and think about everything that God's telling us to do here, right, the question that we are faced with is, one, are you walking with Christ? Have you received him as your Savior? 
are you, is your eternity sealed as a citizen of heaven? If, if, you, if you haven't, then my hope is that you will today. Now you can pray and receive Christ your Savior, invite him into your life, confess your sins, receive that forgiveness and that grace and mercy, and put the past behind you and move forward in a new direction with Christ. And that's how you join the journey of faith. Right? But then if you have joined the journey of faith, are you moving forward? Right? Are you living that out? Are we, are we doing these things? Are we living out these keys right, of how I, I get rid of the sin in my life and become more like Christ tomorrow than I am today? Right, what's holding you back? What's holding back God's spirit? What's holding back his power? What's holding back his miracles? What's holding back God? Right, that's a question we have to constantly be thinking about ourselves, right? Like, Lord, get me out of my own way. Right, God, get, get, get me out of your way, Lord. Right, and that's true as individuals, it's true as a church, right? And, and just, just as the big C church, right, in this world, is like, like, what's holding God back? Are we feeding the right wolf? Because we think about this idea, and, and and again, the challenge to take the next step forward in wherever your journey is. I want to end today with this final thought. This thought comes out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And it is this. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Right? What are you consuming in your life? How are you processing life? Right? Are you participating in worship? Are you representing, representing Christ well? Do you have a demeanor of thankfulness? I mean, as you see all this, right, it, is that's what we're fixed our thoughts on. That's how you feed the right wolf. And again, I don't know where you're at in your faith journey today, but I hope that you will move forward. Lord God, we praise you that you have overcame, Lord, sin and death. God, that you overcame the world's culture. God, and all the evil that is in it. God, to save us, to conquer sin and death, and we praise you for that. But God, we pray that as we go this week, Lord, that we will truly live out our faith. God, we will move forward in our faith journey. God, by your power and not our own. God, we thank you that you've forgiven us, that you've washed us clean, that, Lord, that you've given us a new identity as your child. And God, and we are thankful that we can have hope, Lord, no matter what the world does, because this is not our hope. God, help us as we go this week, Lord, to truly live as citizens of heaven in every moment, in every decision, in every conversation. God, in everywhere we go and everything we do and everything we allow into our lives, God, may it bring glory to you. We love you and praise you. Guide us as we go this week. In Jesus' name.